Welcome to Gardens and Plants, a podcast about plants and gardening in the Washington, D.C. metro area. I'm Peggy Riccio, a horticulturist in Northern Virginia. My website, pegplant.com, is an online resource for gardeners in the D.C. metro area. I publish a monthly gardening newsletter called Peg Plants Post. And my name is Terry Spate, owner of Cottage in the Court, a website and blog and podcast where I share all things beautiful in the garden, from the places I visit, highlighting my favorite plants, books I'm reading, and more. And I live in Central Maryland. So Terry, what's going on in your garden? Well, Peggy, uh, everything is lively, but I, I have to make a correction because I'm just so excited about the fall garden. Last week, I referenced anticipating the blooms of the Caryopteris. I did not mean that. I meant anticipating the blooms of the Calicarpa, mm. which is our native beauty berry. And those little berries are purple. Uh, some of them are even edible, but once again, we're not advising anyone to eat anything unless you do the research. Uh, that's very dangerous, but we'll share more about that when they're actually in bloom. But otherwise, in my garden, well, I finally had to cut back the butterfly bush uh, because it was, it was big, but I'm telling you the, the delight that I found when I opened up my front door and there's butterflies just having a major party. That was so delightful, but I just kind of cut it in half. I'll get probably one more flush of bloom before, um, frost hits. So I'm looking forward to that. And of course, the Soledago um, is bursting with joy. I'm giving away more of my um, brown-eyed Susans. And I'm okay with that because I know they've already dropped seed and there'll, there'll be more where wherever I dig some up from. Uh, the rain, the rain is happening. It's been a nice gentle rain all day today but it's not giving me the opportunity to use my beautiful dram watering can, nor is it giving me the opportunity to use my dram seed head. I have a sprinkler that I put on the end of the hose and it's just the right amount of water without the pressure of breaking a tender young seedling stem. It's the perfect tool. I'm gonna do a video as soon as it stops raining and when I need to water my seedlings. But Dram, if you're starting seedlings for your second season, because we're in our second season now, you can plant your cool weather. Veggies, they don't, I have not seen pansies out yet, but you can plant your cool season veggies and you'll be growing at least until Christmas. So other things blooming in my front garden, the hydrangeas are still going strong. And I think what's growing stronger are the weeds because once again, we've had a lot of rain and I've never had as many weeds in my garden until this year. Maybe it's because I'm home and I'm noticing them. But in the past, I've not had as many weeds, but I think the weather this year has brought those little weed friends along. What's going on in your garden, Peggy? 
Yeah, I have a lot more weeds than usual. I think it's the rain. We've actually had a good amount of rain this growing season, so it hasn't been dry. So I do have a lot of weeds. And I also use the DRAM products too. DRAM is great for watering your plants and mine just um, swivel onto my hose and that's how I water my plants. So it's a great product. Um, let's see, I have a variegated morning glory that I've had mm. for many years. And all I remember about it is that I bought it at the American Horticulture Society's plant sale in the spring as a bedding plant. So I don't know what it's called or anything, but the leaves are variegated green and white. And the flower is uh, that kind of magenta pink purple with a white rim on the outside. It's Ooh. blooming now. And um, I don't always grow it. I save the seed and then I don't always grow it. But this year I grew it because of COVID, you know, so I have time. So I grew it, but I also partly grew it because if you don't grow it and eventually the seeds are not viable anymore. So you have to sow the seed and grow it in order to harvest the seed in order to keep it, you know, or, or else it just dies off. So I grew it this year and then I posted a photo of the flower on Instagram and a person I know asked the name and I said, I'm sorry, I don't know the name, but it must be an open pollinated heirloom because it comes true to seed. So I'm going to save the seed this year for myself, but also I'm going to send him the seed in the mail as a surprise. He doesn't know oh, this. <laughs> that's going to be nice. That is a perfect yeah. gift. Yeah. I'm starting yeah. with this COVID thing. I'm starting to see how fun it is to send things in the mail to people, you know, seeds or plants or whatever. It's just a surprise, you know. So I'm mm -hmm. going to do that. And then um, I'm cutting my peppers and I'm freezing them because I have so many and I'm also saving the seeds for some of them, like the Jimmy Nordellos. And that's kind of related to one of the things I did this past week. This past week, um, I did a lot of watching videos. A lot of um, the Master Gardeners in Northern Virginia, they have their presentations recorded. So you can watch their videos. And then also you can do that for the Smithsonian Gardens. You know, every Thursday they have an event and then they record their videos. But one thing that really stood out was a free presentation by Stratford Hall which is a plantation in the northern neck of Virginia. Mm -hmm. And Stratford Hall is a plantation that was built in 1742 by Thomas Lee, and he had 200 slaves at the time. And this presentation was called African-American Food Waste Cooking Demonstration. And I'm very interested in edibles. So I wanted to see, because a lot of times what you'll find is that um, the slaves back then, of course, had African heritage and used a lot of herbs and vegetables from there. So the mm -hmm. presenter was this guy. Um, how do you pronounce his name? Dante. Don, no, Dontavius. Dontavius. So Dontavius Williams was a fantastic presenter. And he acted like the cook at the time, his name was Caesar, dressed in the garb and everything. And he was in the kitchen and giving a demonstration of how to make peanut soup. And he was showing how to use the pots in the um, the hearth in the kitchen there at Stratford Hall. And he explained how the people, the slaves, cooked in one pot because, of course, they're out working in the fields all day long. So it's just mm -hmm. cooking in the pot. And then how yeah. they supplemented their rations with garden vegetables. So he's chopping up the vegetables and the onions and he's explaining how they didn't waste anything. They saved the seeds from the peppers. So here I am how many hundreds of years later, right? And I'm yeah. cutting up these peppers and I'm thinking I'm going to save the seeds, you know, because these these particular ones that I have would come true to seed. And he's mm -hmm. also explaining as he's cutting up the onions, he's saying how that bottom part with the roots, you know, you could just put that back down the ground and it will start sprouting onion again. And he yeah. said they didn't waste anything. They saved the seeds, you know, and he always said that they always got something from nothing. And so he was very, very good. And it was really interesting. He also talked about 
kitchen pepper, which I've never heard of before. So I have to research that. And they also talked about a book called Bound to the Fire by Kelly Dees, who was also presenting with him. So mm -hmm. this was just a really good presentation. And I want to get the book too, because I want to learn more about how they cooked and what they used and, you know, what vegetables or what herbs. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you'll enjoy the book, number one. A lot of people don't know that some of the seeds that enslaved people bought over from Africa, they hid in their hair. Huh, I didn't know that. Yes, because, you know, thinking about, oh my goodness, we're coming to a new land. We have no clue of what's going to be edible there, how we're going to eat it, and I'm going to miss such and such a bean or such and such a vegetable from my own country. I'm going to hide some seeds. So that's how a lot of things have come on this side of the waters because they just wanted to taste their own familiar foods. Well, he was really good. And I, so you said he was at Magnolia Plantation. I looked him up and he was at Magnolia Plantation too. Mm -hmm. he's, a, he's an excellent speaker and uh, I'll have him on the podcast soon. Talk about engaging. The Magnolia Plantation um, offers a range. It just, it depends on what you're interested in. From the cooking to the building, you can tour actual slave cabins there. Isaac is a descendant of one of the slaves, original slaves of Magnolia. Um, and then there, there's our good friend, Tom Johnson. He's there. Mm -hmm. uh, and depending on what you're interested in, as far as plantation life, Magnolia has it. And they're constantly updating and upgrading their programming to incorporate more, you know, plantations are a resource. If they're an educational resource, not all bad, but that's a conversation for another day. But if we pay attention, it can teach us some things like you just learned about the peppers and the kitchen pepper. Right. And, uh, and the kitchen pepper seems to be a mixture of whatever they had on hand and every cook had their own special recipe, but that's really interesting. And I think actually you and I are going to be visiting Magnolia in 2020, 2022 for the Garden Com Annual Symposium. Mm -hmm. um, but Stratford Hall now is in Virginia and that, that can't, that's got to be pretty close. So now I'm intrigued. I want to go to Stratford Hall and see it and see their gardens and everything, you know, and um, see the estate. And of course, I'm going to get that book called Bound to the Fire. So it was mm -hmm. very interesting. And when you we'll think about down there, yeah, yeah. And when you think about the heritage of of plants and and vegetables and herbs and things like that, a lot of it here in this here in this area, a lot of it does go back to Africa. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very um, it's just like one of those things you just didn't know, and when you find out, it's like really, mm -hmm. it's like oh yeah, oh yeah, common things too, and that's part of the reason, um, I think why in my family, my mom's people are they were really big on bell peppers, peppers of all kinds. Mm -hmm. I remember my grandmother dicing up bell pepper, putting it in corn, red and green uh, peppers. Sometimes it was spicy, sometimes it wasn't. It's just things that were handed down. So my mom, you know, I don't think we ever ate anything without bell pepper in it. Mm -hmm. Potato salad, corn, she put uh, peppers on different meats that she prepared. 
And then we also froze them. And a lot of my friends had never heard about me putting away my peppers. One friend was telling me, oh yeah, I stuffed them in a jar with some cider vinegar and sugar. No, we would freeze them in our Ziploc bags. So when you wanted something in some soup in the wintertime, you open up a bag of frozen peppers, pop them in your pot, boom, flavors preserved, and you're done. Yeah. And I did freeze some and uh, sliced them up and took the membrane out and took the seeds out. And then you put them on a cookie sheet and you put them in the freezer for a couple of hours. And then when you take them out, they're so really interesting texture, hard, almost like candy-like hard, wax hard, you know, and I put them in the bag and then I labeled them and put them back in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I love this time of year, Peggy. I call it the putting away season. <laughs> you got to put away your food before you nest. Mm-hmm. So this is putting away season. So if you go like the market in Southern Maryland, down on Route 5, um, I'm sorry, not Route 5, uh, it's in Southern Maryland on the way to Soderley. You can go there and get, an, but if you don't, if you haven't grown enough, you can go there and get a bundle of peppers, squash, string beans, greens are getting ready to come in now. I like my greens touched by frost. Um, in time, Brussels sprouts. You go down there and you get bushels. You could share a bushel of something with your friends or buy a freezer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but you can, you can divide it up amongst your friends so that you will have things put away. Who knows whether this is gonna be the winter we get snow or not, but wouldn't it be nice to have some onions, some peppers, some tomatoes ready to drop into a pot with some dry beans and let it just all summer and cook in a crock pot? Oh, that's nesting season. Yep. Yeah, we'll share more about that because this is my time of year, Peggy. Harvesting, (laughs) oh yeah, oh yeah. So what have you been up to lately? Well, um, let's see. One of the things, well, two things I wanted to mention, because you did mention Garden Com. If you're doing any type of presentations, you might want to uh, go check out some of the events that Garden Com is having. This week, CL Fernari is speaking, uh, she's having a program on Zoom. If you're going to present, you're going to present the right way. And she's been doing it for a while now. So you do not have to be a member to take that class but it's important. And there's some other ones coming down the pike as well. Uh, but if you go on Gardencom, uh, oh, what is the link, Peggy? Gardencom. I think it's just gardencom.org. Yeah, you'll be able to uh, catch, uh, see what we have in store. But last week I listened to an interesting uh, webinar from the Garden Conservancy. Now, I am a member of the Garden Conservancy. I love the Garden Conservancy. And I'm all about public gardens because they're there for us. They've been there for us. They kept the light on for us, even in the midst of this madness. And they're slowly reopening, some more than others. But uh, their uh, topic was new approaches to revenue in public gardens. And I understood what they were talking about, risk. Got to learn to take risk. Measured risks, mind you, but taking risk. Just like in our own home gardens. Do I plant that there? Even though I know it's not enough sun, well, let's see if it works. It's risk. Two people, two gardens I've got to get to now. David Harland 
from the Eden Project in England, mm -hmm. and a phenomenal woman, Michelle Conklin. She's the executive director of the Tucson Botanic Garden. Now they're really hurting because it's a small garden. But when she talked about the ways that they had to really turn on a dime and learn how to use social media, learn how to engage her supporters through email, which they had not done before, how to present programming to their uh, supporters. The conversation was just so enlightening. And it just reminds me of the public gardens that we have around us. We need to support them. I, I can't you know, say this enough. I'm gonna be speaking to some uh, people that are leaders of public gardens because hearing how they have weathered the storm, as well as hearing the things that they have uh, coming in the future, it just pays to support. That's where we get our inspiration from. And we know that they're there. So I can't wait to get back to England right now. Um, the Eden Project is worth looking into, Peggy. Trust me on this. If you look, Google it, Eden Project, it's, he talked about how people would generally go to one area like the rainforest and they had to kind of add a little things here and there to redirect people's paths. Some of his supporters had been going there for years and had not visited other areas of the garden. Hmm. Yeah, so, and I mean, I'm guilty of that. I, I love the Botanic Garden, but I love the Botanic Garden, but when I'm there, I instantly navigate over to one side or another, mm -hmm. inside the gates or outside. Well, due to COVID, when the gates weren't open, I was forced to enjoy what was right there for all to see. And I did notice things I had never noticed before. That's great. So yeah, so you really, it, it pays, the Garden Conservancy is a great entity um, and it pays to, to turn, tune into some of their programming. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, my mission was to find the beauty. So what did I do? <laughs> I went to Patuxent Nursery. Let me tell you, they were just so nice, Peggy. I love nice nursery centers. I do. I love garden centers that say, hey, come on in. We're going to treat you nice. Mm -hmm. Where is this Patuxent one? I've never been there before. It's on 301 going towards Bowie. And uh, if you go out Central Avenue and you take the 301 North exit, It'll be on the right-hand side. You'll go down the ways. They had uh, healthy-looking merchandise for this time of year. Some nurseries you go to, there, you know, it's, it's fall. It's definitely fall. They're waiting for their pansy orders. All their merchandise, disease-free, clean. Um, they didn't have any collards. They did have some kale seedlings, um, about four different types of kale, cauliflower, and broccoli. Um, did not see any garlic yet, but let me tell you about their house plants. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> there, I'm, I'm, I'm prepping myself to be in that nesting mode and I can at least have my indoor plants to look at. Their indoor plant section was smaller at one time. Now, when you come inside, they're your air plants and you go a little further in and there's a nice display with containers for your air plants and your smaller 
like terrarium-sized plants, affordable miniature pots. Everything is like laid out sequentially so you don't have to hunt and peck for things. Mm -hmm. It was just an amazing experience. Of course, they have their spacing on the floor for six feet apart. Everyone, can I help you with anything? Did you have a question, ma'am? Those kinds of garden centers just make you feel the love. I, I can't, I love exploring garden centers hither and yon. I can't wait to get back to our new friend, Abernathy and Spencer. <laughs> I can't wait to go there and see what mums and pansies they have, you know. But in the meantime, shopping local, supporting our local businesses is important because once again, they have been there for us. They will be there for us. And I think it's our job to be there for them and to support them. Mm -hmm. So that's, that was my, um, that's my plug of the week, Protection Nursery. You need to check them out. Um, other than that, I didn't go to any historic gardens or anything. I ran, kind of ran out of time because I was tackling some weeds and just being still for a moment. Mm -hmm. What'd you do, Peggy? Well, um, I just did those online videos and that presentation. Um, but I, so every month I publish a newsletter and I list the monthly events. So I actually spent a lot of time creating the events for September because there are more than 80 events in the month of September in the Washington, D.C. metro area. And of course, most of them are virtual. But this time I was surprised at how many there were because in the past couple of months, you know, a lot of things have not been happening. Things have been shutting mm -hmm. down. So it took me a while to put it all together. So 80 events makes me feel like I'm back in business. There's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, we have things to do, things to go to. And since most of them are virtual, you can go to them, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I typed all that up and for the newsletter. And then, um, so for this week, I'm only going to mention a few because you'd have to go to my website to see the rest. But um, like this uh, Wednesday, the 2nd of September, is a virtual presentation on planting fall bulbs by the Prince William County Master Gardeners. And then also on Wednesday is a virtual lecture, A Garden for All Seasons by Hillwood. Mm -hmm. On Thursday is virtual fall cover crops presentation by the North Carolina Cooperative Extension. <clears throat> and then Friday, the Master Gardeners in Northern Virginia has plant propagation. Uh, let's see. On the sixth Sunday is a Papa Orchid Tour and Tasting by Michael Judd. And Michael Judd is sort of like the pawpaw man here, and, and he's mm -hmm. in Frederick, Maryland. And uh, I just wrote an article about pawpaws on my website, and I mentioned his um, – he has a website, and he also has a sort of like a farm, and you can go to this pawpaw festival that he has every September, but he's also now doing webinars and virtual presentations. And then uh, let's see, what else? Oh, on the 8th Tuesday is a webinar on growing – great garlic and that one i registered for because i want to learn a lot more about garlic i've grown it in the mm -hmm. past but i want to expand on that because uh if you buy it you know and you grow it yourself it's going to be 10 times better than what you get in the store yep. and then on the eighth tuesday is how to prepare your native plant garden for the winter and that's the virginia native plant society and then on the eighth tuesday is planting for fall color and that's phipps conservatory so there's well, another one popped up. One popped up today, Toupee. It's and that's just by the Smithsonian, no less. Understanding plant stress signals, abiotic factors. Right. Uh, some of our plants this year have the leaves have either dropped prematurely, 
or they've yellowed due to too much rain, especially if they're drought tolerant plants. So this is gonna talk about stresses in the environment, including over and under watering, mm -hmm. nutrient deficiencies, toxicities, extreme temps, light conditions. It covers a lot of stuff. Um, so that one you have to sign up for. That one's free though. Right, that's their Thursday afternoon program. Every Thursday at noon they do that and then they record it. So if you go back to their website, you can see all these different recordings. And some mm -hmm. organizations are really good about recording and posting right away, where the others, mm -hmm. you know, kind of lag a bit and you keep waiting for that recording <laughs> if you missed it, you know. <laughs> some are still in the learning stage. <laughs> but at least we're learning. We're doing something other than just sitting, you know, we're, we're actually increasing our knowledge of the garden and how we should work with it, which makes a big difference. Yeah, I have learned a lot since we've been shut down like this. I've learned a lot, not only about gardens and gardening, but also about how to use Zoom and <laughs> podcasting, <laughs> all the technology. <laughs> the truth, that, that's why it's like, if it's out there and you need to learn it, if it's going to help you share the love of gardening or any topic that you're like really crazy about, log on to a class. A lot of them are free and it helps you be a better communicator because we don't know how long we're going to be dealing with this. Mm -hmm. So we may as well prepare ourselves for the long haul. And even if not, after the fact, you can still use a new skill. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to get into some, uh, Reusing those seeds that we think might be old. And, you know, I, I don't ever throw anything away. Mm -hmm. So I kind of started mixing up something. I'm making seed balls. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Some I found some seed. It's probably about five years old, but I mean, heck, I gave my sister moonflower vine seeds and they were from, well, let's say they were about 70 years old. And uh, they're just going gangbusters, by the way. And so I thought to myself, you know, I'm cleaning up the garden room. Let me take these extra seeds. I've got some clay. Um, I'm going to make seed balls. And I know exactly where I'm going to contribute them to. And we'll know next year whether they took root or not. Oh, you got to take a picture like before and after. Oh, I will. I will. And if and it's it's where a wild me wildflower meadow is, mm -hmm. um, along some water somewhere. But um, if you're thinking about creating a wildflower meadow, you also might want to check out um, your wildflower seeds right now, because you want to sow your wildflower seeds in the fall so that they will actually bloom and produce next year. Mm -hmm. So if you order your seeds now, by the time they get here, uh, you have time to prep your soil. And when they come, all you gotta do is sow your seeds and you're done. You cool. know? Yeah, uh, check out Mini Meadows, the book, Mike Lazat, he's one of our GardenCom members. Um, but now you wanna start thinking about your wildflower seeds. And if you haven't ordered your bulbs, better hurry up. Yeah, now's the time to order the bulbs. Mm -hmm. 
And I have a list of bulb companies on my website too. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. So everybody just go to Peg Plant. <laughs> Prepare yourself for putting away season just before nesting season mm -hmm. and get all this wonderful information that anyone and everyone can use. So until next week, Peggy, what you got for us? That's it for this week. So uh, we'll be back next week. And as professional garden communicators, we're excited about sharing what's happening in the D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia and Maryland suburbs and beyond now because we're virtual. So visit yeah. our websites for more detailed information at pegplant.com and cottageinthecourt.com. We're also very active on social media. You can find me at Pegplant and Terry at Cottage in the Court. And both of us have links to this episode on our websites. Our podcast is available on nine platforms, and we also have an email box at gardensinplantspodcast at gmail.com. Goodbye and get in the garden. <laughs>